This episode contains discussions around sensitive topics, including cyberbullying and suicide. Please take caution as you listen to this episode. Take care of yourself, and if you need to, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. We have provided resources for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline in our show notes. Welcome to the Social Complex Podcast, where we are diving into the complex impact and influence of social media on brands, brains, and the bigger picture of our modern world. Here's your host, Hillary Applegate. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Social Complex Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about anonymous social media. And technically, all of social media can be anonymous to some degree, but in the same fashion, none of it's really all that anonymous. At the end of the day, if you have a subpoena, or if you want to get access to any type of crime that was committed and you need to go into a social media profile, it's not anonymous. But everyone likes to think it is. And there is a subcategory of apps out there that really lean into the anonymity of it all. So we're going to talk about those today. You may have heard of Yik Yak, Ask.fm, Formspring, Secret, Whisper. All of those are apps that are based on anonymous usage. Apps that can be somewhat more anonymous are Twitter. You can create your own Twitter profile and not associate it with your name. Reddit, you can pretty much make your own Reddit account without anybody ever knowing who you are. But those tend to be a little bit more revealing about who you are than some of these other platforms that are specifically around anonymous sharing and not really sharing user data or usernames or anything like that. Wikipedia would say, anonymous social media is a subcategory of social media wherein the main social function is to share and interact around content and information anonymously on mobile and web-based platforms. Thank you, Wikipedia, for the condensed version of what we're talking about today. Personally, I remember using Formspring when I was in high school. I think it was early when it came out. I was, you know, near the end of my high school career. But uh, it was definitely a fun platform to ask questions to your friends and really get more information out of what you do or what you're interested in and yada, yada, yada. And Formspring, I remember itself as the answerer wasn't anonymous, but the questions and the asker was. Same thing with Ask.fm. I think it's a little more anonymous both ways as far as who's answering and who's asking questions. And then there's forums like Secret and Yik Yak, which are more community-based. So you post something, it goes out to users in your area or for Secrets. Secret uses contacts in your phone to create a anonymous bubble. So any confessions, anything that comes out is from someone in your contact list. You just don't know who it is. And then there's Yik Yak. Yik Yak was very popular on college campuses between 2013, 2010. Somewhere in the early 2010s, but they had a sharp decline in users in 2016 after a row of negative press uh, around cyberbullying, teen suicides, and hate speech. So the app itself closed down, I believe, in 2017, 
And it recently came back into the world in 2021 under new ownership and under a new guise that even though it was a anonymous sharing platform, it would not condone any cyberbullying or negativity, any hate speech, sharing of personal information. So it's interesting to see the moderation coming through for these anonymous sites. I think that there was a boom in anonymous social media sites between 2010 to 2015. So all of those platforms that we talked about really popped off in 2010, 2015. And Formspring was disabled and changed between 2013 to 2015. Ask FM was considering shutting down in 2015. They had a really bad list of negative press from teen suicides that were linked to the bullying on the site. And it's interesting looking back now because I haven't really kept up on it, but as I was doing a little bit of research for this show, I did come across there was a young woman who had died by suicide and it came out that, you know, originally her dad was really upset, of course, because she had been receiving negative cyberbullying messages online. And something that came out of that investigation as they were looking in and saying, okay, well, who was cyberbullying her on these sites was that there's strong evidence to support that she actually had been sending herself messages through the site that were negative. And it's interesting to think about from a psychological standpoint that you can really create your own reality online. And the anonymous sites can reinforce someone living in their own echo chamber or using that as an outlet for them to express what's internally going on. There's also studies out there from University of Florida that came out in 2016. So really after the height of all of this negative press, the teen bullying is on the rise and anonymous sites are kind of at the center of all of these negative things happening. And this study concluded that Yik Yak, while a tool with the potential for abuse and misuse, does not represent a significant threat to young adults. And that was coming from an analysis of over 4,000 posts and really understanding what the context of those posts were. So a large percentage of the posts, 45% focused on campus life and announcements or proclamations. And then 13.5% included profanity, vulgarities, and uh, 10% were rhetorical questions. And dating and sex and sexuality was about 9.2%. So that was interesting for me to read because I have a preconceived notion that anonymous websites and anonymous social media is kind of a breeding ground for negativity. And part of what I had sought out to really understand when I launched this podcast is the complexity of the space and where my biases might come into play, where I think that people aren't using a platform as much, but the data shows something else. Or I think that there's mental health ramifications that are negative, but research is showing something different. And this can be even beyond social media. When you think about the idea that kids being on their mobile devices or on cell phones and their attention span is lower, you know, looking at the data that supports or negates that is informative. I also came across a Guardian article that had a really poignant question around the idea of 
anonymous sites. And it came from the philosopher Plato. When our identities are concealed, do we automatically degenerate into amoral, foul-mouthed bullies or freed from pressure of maintaining a flawless public facade, might we discover new ways to relate to one another with compassion and honesty? And I was like, oh shit, that's exactly the question, which is when you're in an anonymous space, is that promoting more of a positive environment where people are going to become more expressive? Or like I use the term breeding ground for negativity, (laughs) is it a breeding ground for negativity? And that question combined with that study from University of Florida is telling me that even though there is this fear and these really awful stories about bullying and about harm coming to kids, is that just a hyper focus on anomalies, essentially? Are those not really the normal occurrence, but a factor of it? Bijou Dominic wrote an article in Mint in 2021 that went back to a journal, Cyber Psychology and Behavior, where Professor John Sutler described anonymity as one of the principal factors creating disinhibition on social media. So according to Suler, Suler, John Suler, when people have an opportunity to separate their actions online from their in-person lifestyle and identity, they feel less vulnerable about self-disclosure and, quote, acting out roles. In a process of disassociation, the online self becomes compartmentalized self. In fact, people might even convince themselves that their online behaviors, quote, aren't me at all. And that is something that I thought was really interesting to pair back with the idea behind bullying and cyberbullying and that incredibly sad story of that young teen who had allegedly been posting messages, bullying messages about herself on her anonymous Ask FM. And that goes back to, you know, are we creating our own realities and our own echo chambers? The same can be said even for influencers today, the foot that they put forward, and not even just influencers, people who put their own realities together and their own roles of who they are in the world may not necessarily match who they are in real life. I've seen some people on social that look so outgoing and so friendly, but really when you meet them face to face, they are incredibly shy and not extroverted in the slightest. That's a fascinating comparison in the anonymous social media world, which is you can create your own reality and that can be used for good or for evil. The question remains, are people really going to degenerate behavior (laughs) or are they actually using the space as something for good? In the same vein, I saw examples about the anonymous social media sites being used for good. So people would be expressing that they were going through a really hard time or if they were feeling you know, negative thoughts or negative self-talk. And these people in their community would come out and say really supportive messages and rally behind these people. There were areas where people needed donations or blood drawings or a specific donor for a very unique healthcare problem. And they had thousands of people show up to get tested to see if they would be a match. So there's a lot of stories that I think bring in the hope and the humanity aspect of the anonymous culture. So two sides of the coin. When we think about the positives, here are some of those that you might find when you're thinking about 
these anonymous social media sites. The opportunity to express more freely. They can be helpful for advice free of negative judgment. They can be hyper-informative and localized like Yik Yak, so you know what's going on in your campus and you're having a shared experience with those around you. And they can help support law enforcement, curb terrorism and violent events since it's not truly entirely anonymous. Like I said, any subpoena is going to completely negate that anonymity. And then the negatives. The flip side is it can encourage terrorism and violent events under a cloak of anonymity. It can fuel bullying, hate speech, slander, online abuse, and it can be a breeding ground for gossip and fake stories, which, to be fair, a lot of social media sites can be too. Weighing those positives and negatives, I think it's up for the end user to decide if they want to be a part of it. And part of what is fun to observe is yik yak. Yik Yak is back as of 2021. If you're not familiar with it, it works by allowing users, mostly college students, to make anonymous posts. So they're known as Yaks, and that can be seen by other users within a five-mile radius. So those posts, similar to Reddit, are then voted up or down, and nearby Yakers, is what they're called, can comment on them. Users will also earn reputation points, again, similar to Reddit. So those are known as Yakarma uh, and based on the upvotes they received, that karma will go up or downvotes will go down. It has new standards in place now that it's coming back in 2021 for bullying, hate messages, threats, sharing personal information. It's a one and done policy. If you violate it once, you're off the program. So they're really trying to come back in and take a hard line on the negative side of yik yak. But why are students even using it in the first place? If it is a toxic environment or if it is entirely negative, why would they be using it in the first place? From my research, I could find that there were two pillars that really drove the usage for the site. One was entertainment. A lot of students claimed that they would get laughs when they were on the platform. They felt very hyper-relevant to where they were and what they were doing in their college experience. And then the second was FOMO. So fear of missing out. People wanted to be a part of the know and they wanted to see what was happening on campus. If something was breaking news or informative or interesting, they didn't want to be left out and fell behind. So higher education is not thrilled that Yik Yak is back, but there's not much that they can do to ban usage. And that goes back to the practice and the idea that students and any user on social media needs to approach and use it at their own risk. That's a lot easier said than done, especially when it comes to the idea that one of the driving factors for people being on the platform is fear of missing out. But users need to and should have a healthy degree of understanding what their capacity is for what they can handle and what they can't handle, especially when it comes to misinformation and the sharing of misinformation. That's a tricky one. Because it's a platform that opens up for a lot of fake stories to come out and a lot of questions around whether it is true or not. But the more that students can have a healthy dose of skepticism when they're on social media in general and really anywhere, even your neighbors that are telling you a story, you know, there's always their version, the other version and the truth. Same thing with social media is that it's really important for users to feel equipped to know what they can and can't handle and know what they do and don't want to handle. And also maybe even removing some of that FOMO factor where they're not feeling like they're missing out 
But that's a self-reflection thing. That's not really going to ever happen from the platform side because they're always going to want you to come anyways. So where do brands fit into all of this? Because I always like to bring it back to the brands. It's always what I'm thinking. Influencers are relevant in communities, not just in high volume. So what you can do as a brand is that if you are trying to target a specific college or university, you can find spokespeople in the area that can help promote your brand. You can become part of relevant conversations that are happening. If you are going to be on college campuses and you're going to be giving out free information, free sessions, free product, having uh, localized pop-ups and really leaning into that FOMO factor can be a really great way to use the platform. And then also using it as a monitoring tool. I think that in any local area, you're going to find a lot more hyper-local information about your audience. So if you are really trying to cater to that specific audience, look through what people are saying and look through the yaks to see is there any type of common thread or anything that's starting to pop up that you're seeing more of. Uh, An example that I saw in one of the university platforms was someone making a joke about talking to the guy that sings choir on the yard and that it would unlock, you know, some level. It was a joke about living in the matrix, but you could use that to do a fun pop-up partnership with the guy in the choir who's singing on the quad, or you can hide him and, you know, do a sponsorship where you're moving him essentially around campus to sing in other areas and people have to find him in order to get a certain prize. I mean, there's a lot of creative ideas that you can come up with when it comes to relevant conversations, but more than anything, it's helpful to know what tools are out there and what your buyer is using to communicate with one another, because that allows for you to keep a pulse on anything that might come up about your brand. So if you're a restaurant, a local restaurant in a college town, and someone is talking negatively about your food or your product, or positively, you're going to want to know about it. Now, where's the future of anonymous social media? Will it exist in the next 10 years, or will it fade out? I think that Yik Yak's return is a nice indication that there is a place for anonymous social media in some form or fashion. I do think that there is a plus side for people to have an opportunity to go back and talk more about things that they might not feel comfortable sharing in a very public setting. But I do think that it needs to be handled with care. And I appreciate Yik Yak and their commitment to making it a safer place and really owning the flaws of the space when they're thinking about how are we going to be navigating negativity and the cyberbullying and really all of the bad aspects that came out of it. Just like any other platform, it's all going to evolve with the times and with what people want and with what users want. But if you think back to that question from Plato, when our identities are concealed, are we going to be assholes or are we going to be freed from pressure and discover a new way to relate with one another? I don't really know. I think it's going to come down to the end user, how they want to perceive and be in the world. One trend I do see happening, though, is that 
people at the end of the day are only going to be using a certain amount of tools. And I think we saw that with Clubhouse when they came out with their audio only platform and it was highly exclusive. Everyone wanted to be in it. But then once you got in it, there was a huge drop off of users that didn't stick around because it wasn't the platform for them. And that's not to say they haven't grown tremendously, but the people that are going to resonate with that platform have the option to be there and they're going to stay and everyone else is going to go and move on. So I don't think there's harm in having sites like Yik Yak to allow for people who really want to be on it to be on it. I actually think there's more harm when there's only, you know, three main players in any social media platform. So I'm excited to see what the democratization of platforms will look like for users and for college campuses. Anything you can do to bring people together, especially on a local scale, I think is worth exploring and keeping a close eye on and seeing how it turns out. The moral of the story, question everything and maybe be open to things that you might not necessarily agree with or have a gut reaction like anonymous social media sites that are breeding grounds for toxicity. Look at the research and interview the people that it impacts directly. Make your own conclusions and stand up for yourself and what you think is best. And if you've got kids, make sure that you're educating them on how to use critical thinking when they're deciding how they want to share, show up, and receive in the world of ever-evolving communication. And that's my spiel for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Social Complex Podcast. Your support means the world to me. So if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, be sure to leave a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. We'll be releasing a new episode every Tuesday, bringing you various stories, deep dives, and discussions around the complexities of social media in our modern world. To follow along for more, be sure to follow us at Your Social HQ on Instagram or check out Social HQ at www.yoursocialhq.com. I'm your host, Hillary Applegate, and I'll see you back here next week. Stay sane out there. This episode of The Social Complex was produced by You Lucky Dog Podcasts. Do you love recording your podcast, but the idea of mixing and editing makes you want to pull your hair out? Well, you're in luck. Whether you're just getting started or looking for help with an already established show, You Lucky Dog Podcasts can help take your content to the next level. Put your show in the hands of experienced professionals so you can focus on creating and having fun. Visit youluckydogpodcast.com and book your podcast consultation today. That's youluckydogpodcast.com.